it all started with a very simple idea. Tell the stories of how successful middle market CEOs made it to the corner office. I'm Brand Handley, founder and managing director of Resource Options International, or ROI. We're the USA's premier executive search firm focused exclusively on empowering middle market companies to attract, hire, and retain A players while transforming top executives' careers and lives. ROI's Into the Corner office is dedicated to discovering how middle market CEOs advance their career, and we're making these remarkable and sometimes quite unbelievable stories available to you for the very first time. Listen and learn about the challenges they've overcome, the interesting people they've met along the way, and the lessons learned that steered these executives' unique journey into a middle market corner office of their own. I know you enjoy these CEO stories as much as I've enjoyed recording them. So thank you for listening today. And if you like what you've heard, rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm looking forward to you joining me on the next great middle market CEO adventure into the corner office. Joining me on the program today is Aaron Steed. He's president, co-founder, and CEO of Meathead Movers. He founded the company back when he was 17 years old with his brother, Evan, and he has an open door style of management, much more similar to that of a coach than a CEO. He's also well known for being happily available to assist his employees at their jobs or in their personal lives. His mission is to assist former and current athletes to achieve their goals by providing them with a flexible and educational workplace where they can earn money and help support their education or their outside jobs. They have been noted as for seven years as one of Inc. 5000's fastest growing companies. They've hauled more than 200,000 square foot of mini storage, have 100 trucks, and do about 20,000 moves a year. Aaron Steed, welcome into the corner office. Thank you. So happy to be here. Ah, great to have you here. And I, I'm jealous you're out in sunny California and I'm in cold New York today, but uh, at least we both have sunshine and uh, I hope the rains have stopped a bit. What's the weather been like the last couple of days? Yeah, it's drying up a bit. The hills are green and nice. uh, air is fresh, so no complaints here. <laughs> Lovely. Well, Aaron's uh, located, I think, in beautiful San Luis Obispo. Is that right? Is that your home? Correct. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we always like to kind of start the podcast with hearing a little bit about your early days, Aaron. And I know that the business that we'll be talking about is actually something that you and your brother have uh, created out of a labor of love. So I'm sure he's played an important role. But tell us a little bit about what your early days were like, your family, brothers and sisters. Sure. So my brother and I... Um, we started the business when we were seven. I was 17, he was 15, and we grew up here going to San Luis Obispo High School. Awesome. Yep. Just just the two of you? Any brothers, any other sisters or brothers? We have half brothers and sisters. Okay, uh, my cool. parents separated and yeah. both ended up uh, having additional families. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Uh, cool. Neither of them are, inv are involved in the business, though. Yeah, yeah. So when you were growing up, um, did you have a mixed family from fairly early on, or were you teenagers when your mom and dad split? Yeah, so I was five, my brother was three. Okay. Yeah. And then when we became teenagers is when uh, they started having uh, other children. 
Yeah, got it. Cool. Terrific. And uh, grew up in San Luis Obispo County, it sounds like. Who, who were some of the early influencers in your life, you know, kind of pre the business and, you know, your teenage years? I know we don't have a whole lot of time because you guys got started pretty early on this one. <laughs> but, you know, were there coaches, were there yeah. folks that in your life that, you know, kind of had an input beyond your parents? Yeah, I'd say there are two major influences, actually three probably. Uh, first and foremost was my wrestling coach, Rob Nieto. Oh, he yeah. took me under his wing. He really coached me through how to um, push through my personal limits and believed yeah. in me and worked really hard to develop me athletically awesome. with the wrestling program. I would also uh, say Mrs. Avery, who mm. was an honors English teacher. Oh. Uh, she was known as the hardest uh, teacher at the high school. And I, yeah. I never really got good grades, but I really applied myself uh, in her you. class. She pushed yeah. me, she yeah. believed in me, and awesome. I just wanted to perform well for her. And and I, that's when I started developing confidence as a student, um, really by- And what grade was that? Was that freshman year or a little earlier or later? That was my freshman year in high school. Wow. Wow. Well, yeah. shout out to Mrs. Avery. How cool is that? <laughs> She's amazing. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Super. And and then I'd also have to say the Martinez family oh. and uh, me and Dan Martinez uh, wrestled together and were wrestling partners and nice. his family took me under their wing and we traveled all around the state and the country um, competing in tournaments yeah, and yeah. they just that they just folded me into their family and I, I I'm unbelievably grateful to them and will That's always great. be. Yeah. And, and when did you start wrestling? Was that still in um, elementary school, more high school, junior high? Yeah. When I was a freshman in high school. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So a lot of state competitions or all mm -hmm. over the different counties and so forth. Great. Yep. And, and mom and dad, uh, were, did they have degrees, you know, and, and stepmom and stepdad, I mean, how, you know, kind of what was their background, uh, as you were growing up? Yeah, so uh, my dad's a chiropractor, and uh -huh. you know, mom is a stay-at-home housewife. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I think I think they're proud of what we've been able to do, and um, they they haven't really been too involved uh, in the business, though. Awesome. So, yeah, and yeah. your parents sounds like you know you you were quite young. Did you spend time with both? Did your other parents stay in the area, kind of go back and forth during that period, or was it kind of more of a you know summers with dad and school years with mom type of thing? Yeah, it was a back and forth and yeah. it changed throughout the years, uh, awesome. but they were both uh, stayed here within the same community. So we nice. didn't have to do too much traveling. Yeah, yeah. So you saw a lot of both of them. Terrific, great. And uh, you mentioned uh, maybe you weren't the best student, at least in Mrs. Avery's class. Were, were you a good student overall? Uh, I wouldn't say good student. I was probably more <laughs> of a C, C plus student. Yeah. And I just, frankly, didn't care. I, I didn't right, see right. how motivated. it applied yeah. to what I was trying to do. Yeah. Uh, my my primary focus was wrestling, and it really my motivation was dark directly correlated with the connection and respect I had for my teachers. Right, right, of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah, sure. Did well in the classes that obviously uh, the teachers were motivating and, and obviously an interesting subject and, and didn't care less about the ones that weren't. Basically. Would sum it up, yeah. Unfortunately. <laughs> I know that yeah. feeling. No, I know yeah. that feeling. Um, what about outside of class? You mentioned, you know, obviously wrestling was a big part of what you were doing. And did your brother do that too? Was he also a wrestler and, and compete with you? He did, yeah. yeah. Uh, his, I think, passion was definitely football, though. Right, right. Yeah, so he, he was more into that. Down that path, right, mm -hmm. cool. 
And uh, anything else, any other sports that you excelled at, you know, music, theater, any other types of things that you enjoyed or got involved with during your high school years? No, not really. Yeah. Everything just primarily focused for me around wrestling. And I right. ran across country and I swam all just to get in shape uh, uh, for that sport. I was fully committed to it. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. It does take a lot. And was it kind of the weekend tournaments where you'd get up like at five, six in the morning and travel two or three hours? Or was it kind of weekends away? You know, what was the kind of the daily routine when you were both training as well as competing? Oh, gosh. Um, everything all in above, you know, I, we, we did several national competitions and competed in the Midwest, wrestled internationally. Uh, wow, even internationally? The, over, yeah. over to Europe or Mexico or where'd you go? So uh, I was fortunate enough to make the national team, and awesome. we had some folks uh, from Finland and Germany, and I believe Bel Belgium uh, come and compete against us. And we did a duel, and it was uh, a really cool. exciting experience. But yeah. mostly, it was uh, us doing yeah the weekend warrior thing, take yeah, off super yeah. early in the morning, right. and then get right. back super late, super late. Yeah, day yep. trips right to all over the state. Awesome. Yep. And um, let's focus a little bit about entrepreneurial. I know you got uh, Meathead Movers, uh, and we're going to talk about that in a minute when you guys were just uh, teenagers. But what about before that? You know, did, did you have the ubiquitous paper route? Were you involved in, you know, other things that were making money? Was that kind of part of your focus in, you know, your single digit years in, in junior high before you got into uh, your, your, your passion? Yeah, actually, I did have a paper route when I was in junior high. And I would do it on my rollerblades too, which was a great ah, workout. <laughs> I love it. That's <laughs> yeah, great. So I'd skate around and throw out the papers. And it's funny because um, I have a house now in the same neighborhood where I did my ah, paper route. Right. So right. still, you know, some of <laughs> still the Still some of the same people are there. Yeah. Great. Exactly. Was it the kind of paper route where you threw it out free and then had to go collect the money? Or, or oh, was totally. it a paper? Yeah. Right. I remember yeah. those days. Right. <laughs> so you, it was really all about customer service, wasn't it? That's, huh? that's exactly right right yeah, and you didn't deliver that one on the porch it was going in the bush you had no hope of collecting any money from them <laughs> yeah without tips i think my right. aggregate di uh hourly rate was probably about 35 cents an hour <laughs> you know so i tried I not it. thinking about that but obviously sure. we work hard for the tip absolutely yeah particularly christmas time and you know hey it's my birthday this month you know anything extra <laughs> exactly you know where we're we're closed with holes in them or, <laughs> <laughs> Look as ratty as you can. Yeah. I, I ask if they had an apple because I was hungry. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever it takes. <laughs> That's great. I got to remember that one. Oh, I love it. What about other jobs? Um, you know, before you got your your uh, company going, were there jobs that you held at all after school during those periods or, you know, pretty much transitioned from entrepreneurial to, to you know, your own company? Yeah. So I, I knew I needed to start making money because I going to these tournaments was expensive. So I didn't have a car. And um, during one summer, I would, um, my dad would take me into his office and right next door to his office was the car wash. Ah, cool. So I figured, hey, the car wash will hire me. So went there, got hired. And I was the guy who, right when you pull up into the car wash, the guys who have that really hoarse yellow scrub brush <laughs> and it's their scrub in the front of your car as you know the salesperson is negotiating and the the salesperson uh, makes money on commissions and whatnot and oh, right, right there's also uh the folks who are drying the cars you know they're the ones who get the tips but sure. me 
I'm just getting, I, I'm just getting insects all over my face and under my fingernails. And, and about five bucks an hour, probably. Four twenty-five right? oh, was the minimum goodness. wage back then. So <laughs> I I worked for for two weeks and got my paycheck, and I think it was sixty-seven dollars or something after oh, after taxes. Just brutal. And granted, I wasn't working all the time, but yeah, whenever yeah. whenever I could, and I just realized, oh my gosh, Hardly this isn't worth it. it. I got to yeah. figure, I got to figure something else out. Got it. Got yeah. It. Cool. And um, did you go on to college? Was was that part of yeah. your background? Sure. So yep. so what kind of, you know, either made the decision to go? Was that something that was parental? Were you kind of self-motivated? And, you know, how'd you go about picking the college and the major you studied? Yeah, I was going to wrestle at San Francisco State. Um, oh, right, right. But by that time, I had meathead movers and I wasn't quite ready to part with that because we had, you know, a taste of success and I really believed in it and liked what we were doing. Um, so I decided to go to Cuesta be- instead, which is a junior college here in San Luis Obispo. Okay. Is that a two-year CC? Or Yep. Yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, wrestled here and, and then wrestled there for, for one year. And then something had to give, and I ended up uh, dropping out after after just one year. Uh, but by that time, I realized that Meathead was going to be my career, yeah, and yeah. I and and I felt like there are much more effective ways of educating myself and getting right. to where I needed to go versus the conventional school. Um, and then after that, I did take some uh, extended study programs at Cal Poly, which is okay. our four year university. Yeah. Right. Cool. Cool. So did you ever go and get your degree or just take things that were more necessary towards the business? Yeah, I didn't get the degree. Yeah. Uh, just took, uh, you know, necessary classes for the business and, and, and still business management and that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Leadership. Right. Leadership. Awesome. Cool. Well, that that's a good jump off point then for Meathead Movers. So, you know, get, give me a little bit of background as to the impetus of it. Gosh, you, you said you were 15 and your brother was 17. Was that it? Or I was 17. He was 15. Yeah, yeah. So he's your younger bro. Gosh, mm-hmm. cool. So, so how'd you guys come across it? And, you know, how did you kind of develop the business? Give us a little bit of a story on the early days. Sure. Uh, so I would go to my friend's parents and simply ask, do you need any help moving and, or doing anything around the house uh, that you don't want to do? And me and my friends are strong and capable and willing to help. So they would eventually say, yeah, why don't you come over and help us out with some moving? Really? So it was just, it was cold calling, just literally going door to door. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And, and talking to them, uh, you know, in and out of the wrestling room and when they pick up their kids and I would just tell them like, Hey, if you ever need some, extra help, just let me know. And, and here's the deal, pay us whatever you think we're worth. So it made it real hard for Ah, them to say no. (laughs) Right. So, so you didn't quote a hourly wage or you didn't say buy the job, just Mm -hmm. pay us what you want. Wow. And how'd that work out for you in those early days? Really well. And I found, you know, because number one, I was, I I was demonstrating trust to them. Hey, I trust that you're going to take care of me, but in the meantime, let me take the first step and I'm going to take care of you first. And nice. And yeah. And and we really tried focusing on making it a good experience for them, making them feel good about their transition, showing up on time, having a good attitude, hustling, you know, all cornerstones as to what we do today. Um, but yeah, it was as humble as can be because wow. we didn't have a truck or anything. So the deal was <laughs> the customer would have to rent the truck. Really? Oh, They'd goodness. have to pick us up at our parents' house. Right, right. Drive, drive us back to where the moving is. Uh, or if my friends had a car, they'd sometimes take us. Sure. And then we would 
do the moving and then we would get paid whatever the customers thought we were worth. Uh, but I fell in love with it actually pretty, pretty early on. And it wasn't because of the moving furniture. It was because of the gratitude I got. Yeah. Yeah. You know, for it doing more, a job more well than done. just money in the bank. And I'm sure it was more than four fifty two an hour as well. Right. Much. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We got paid. We, we got paid. Uh, I, I was surprised with yeah. What you know, did, how can much you remember? What, I mean, this was twenty two years ago, right? Is that about yeah, how long? Yeah. So, so what you know? What was the equivalent hourly or by the job back then? If you don't mind sharing, fifty bucks to a hundred bucks a day. No, you're yeah, kidding. In cash, that's awesome. And in we cash, also yeah. Right, and we also got lunch usually, and sometimes <laughs> dinner. And they paid for the truck. That's right. And they, paid for, <laughs> and they paid for the truck. And even then it was so much less expensive than yeah, what yeah. the client could do if they hired, you know, your typical mover back then. So they felt like I was, they were getting a good deal. I felt like I was getting a good deal. Right, right. And I was able to work with my friends, work with yeah. my brother, get paid to work out and just. Just a win, win, win. Right. Huh? Over the top gratitude. Awesome. Like, hey, awesome. this is the best move I've ever had. Thank you guys so much. And just by trying to make it a positive experience for him. Sure, sure. So, yeah. And then I'm sure there was a lot of word of mouth, right? Did you start mm -hmm. getting calls after that or referrals or how did the business grow from the, you know, knocking on the doors of friends? Yeah. Friends' parents. So, you know, friends' friends' parents would tell other friends' parents mm -hmm. about it. And then I just became, I, I, I became the point man for, for me and all my friends. And then the parents at San Luis Obispo High School at first, whenever they would need some extra moving, they would, uh, call or, or help they yeah. contact me and then I'd get yeah. my friends and and go from there um, but and how did you decide what to pay them once things got going did you guys just kind of split it up if they paid you a hundred bucks it's you know you split that three ways or you know how did how did you kind of do those first assignments in terms of uh, you know basically paying your paying your subordinates right so at the time, I was the team captain of the wrestling team, so it was cool because not too many people messed with me. <laughs> but <laughs> I love it. But what I did was I I split it up based upon how hard everyone worked. So if they worked as hard as I did, I'd give them the same amount. If they wow. didn't All work right. as hard, I would pay them less, and I would explain to them why. Yeah, yeah. So it was really just purely on your judgment, and you know, yeah. hey, I'm the boss, and I got you this gig. So hey, this is the way it works. And I'm sure some of the guys who maybe found it too uh, challenging didn't come back, and the hard workers said, "Hey, this is pretty cool." Right? right? No, that, that's back. yeah. That that's yeah. that's exactly right. And and let's say if there are four guys on a job, and you know, two of the guys I'm working with did a great job, and one of the guys didn't. Uh, whatever money we save from not paying that other guy as much, I was split up equally also amongst go. the, yeah. you know, yeah. other guys. Smart. So there was Smart. a real like pure sort of accountability. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and we would all talk about it too. It, it was, right. uh, we would come, we would usually go out to this barbecue joint in San Luis called Firestone. And we talk about the move and talk about, you know, how hard everyone worked. And this is afterwards, right? After you got paid, after the, the end the, of the day. The day, yeah, yeah, yeah the, the right. day of. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and, <laughs> and it, was, it, was, it was just absolutely hilarious. So, yeah, that's how we did it. That's so cool. Great. And was there a big range, you know, in those early days when you basically said, pay us what we're worth? You know, did you find that that people pretty much paid in a in a you know, plus or minus 10% or was it plus or minus 80% in terms of their recognition of your service? I would say it is a big range. Yeah, you know, I, I never, yeah, they're, they're, they're standard tips. 
or sorry, standard pay, which was about, you know, 50 to 75. But sometimes we'd get a couple hundred dollars in a day. Wow. And, wow. and it was, um, start going to those upper class zip codes too, right? In the bigger yeah. homes. Yeah. No, so, <laughs> Figure about, that out pretty quickly, right? Totally. Get, start getting avocado <laughs> on our cheeseburgers, you know? And yeah. Yeah. yeah getting the new shoes. I mean, it, it, it so was so cool. funny back then, just, uh, you know, we had no overhead I right, mean, all, and, right. and all the phone calls would go to my pager as well. <laughs> Pagers. And wow. That's, that's taking it back. Right. right. And then what I would yeah. do is in, in between school classes, uh, I would call the customer on my payphone, Sure. And say, Hey, you need some help moving? Yeah. What do you need? And then they tell us and, and then I give them the spiel. Hey, well, you know, we're strong, clean cut student athletes. We'll show up. We'll do a great job. Uh, we're really good at what we do. And you'll feel comfortable with us in your home and we'll make this the best move you've ever had. Uh, and we're so confident you'll feel this way. Pay us whatever you think we're worth. If we damage your items and you don't think that we did a good job, don't pay us anything. Yeah, and if you do yeah. think we did a good job, you know, I trust that you'll take care of us. That's yeah. that's how we do things. Awesome. And it, it made it hard for them to say no. And, and um, I was able to, we were able to, you know, get a lot of our, fellow student athletes work at the time it was for you. Yeah. very very re rewarding That's awesome awesome you know we when we spoke during our planning call i was so proud because you're one of the few central coast ceos that we welcome to the program we've had over gosh 55 60 now that have been recorded and you know there's uh, not too many middle market businesses you got a lot of startups right mm -hmm. and a lot of folks that have got you know larger companies but that middle market is 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 rare in terms of you know the size companies that uh, exist in the central coast and mm -hmm. Um, you know, so I've recognized your ads. I tell you, I see your trucks all the time because, you know, you're in, I'm in your marketing area. Yeah. And of course, I've seen the, uh, the female component. And, mm -hmm. and I think that's only been a few years, but correct me if I'm wrong. Did you, did you have, uh, you know, a multi-gender workforce pretty early on or is that a recent uh, phenomenon? Yeah, no, we've had it uh, early on and we want to continue to enhance, you know, diversity awesome. and, um, and, and we actually have many uh, female leaders here in the company, including our general manager, our director of marketing, our accounting manager, and our That's call great. center manager. Uh, so yeah, we're we're proud of that, especially with it with moving and storage being such a male dominated industry. Yeah, of course, of course. Mm -hmm. And you know, when we spoke as well, you talked about and quite proudly and, and rightly so about the whole promote from within philosophy yeah. that seems to permeate. And a mm -hmm. lot of your movers have moved into management positions, particularly in the operations area. You know, overall as a percentage, if you looked across, you know, the operations management and some of your key executive staff, is it more than half of the folks that you know, are in those positions actually started uh, in the in the moving side with you? Yeah, yeah. yeah and especially on our operations side, every single yeah. operations manager that we have uh, was a mover at the beginning. And then they've been promoted eight different times <laughs> in order That's to awesome. become an operations manager where then they can move and, uh, you know, they're they're rewarded wealth when the branch does well and and it's a career type job and many of them That's have great. families and own homes and yeah wow. it's really cool and i assume you've got fairly high retention rates what's kind of the average um you know tenure of, of some of those folks 5 10 15 years or more and some folks have been with you from the beginning what would you say on average your your retention has been 
Yeah, for our, for our operations manager, I would say between five and seven years. That's awesome. Yeah, as of yeah. as of right now. Yeah, yeah, we so really good retention and and they love it because it's not just a job. They're it's kind of like running a sports team, right, slash right. also running a professional business. And then I think they love the autonomy because it really is their branch where they. Um, they're making the hiring and firing decisions sure. and how to staff the truck. And we really trust them. And, um, and, and when things do go wrong, we huddle up, find the learning lessons. And, yeah. you know, no, no one here is too proud to uh, not take a learning opportunity. We, we, we have right. a culture right. here where uh, it's okay to, you know, share how we can do things better and right. what, and, and, and actually address what went wrong. That's how we get better. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Make mistakes is okay. And do you allow people to take risks? You know, what's the culture like in that regard? Are you encouraging folks to try new things or do you have pretty standardized processes and, you know, SOPs that you want everyone to follow? So we do have very standardized processes. Mm -hmm. You know, we have uh, over 400 procedures. We have our own wiki, <laughs> wow. uh, Wikipedia, that yeah. is the hub of all of the, you know, captured meathead knowledge. Nice. Uh, however, you know, one thing I commonly say is think like an owner and, right. Right. and do what you think is the best thing. And luckily for us, when someone makes a mistake, usually the, it's very low cost. You know, if we yeah. overpay out on a claim or if we overorder on supplies, uh, or if you know you 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 have a good feeling about someone, even though you're not quite sure, you know, take the risk, do what you feel is right, and then that's when they can have true ownership over it. And then sure. if they, and then if if there's a mistake, hey, we'll talk about it. Right, we're going to approach it level headed. Um, you know, and a lot of our young sort of macho males that work for us, especially on our operations team, you know, we have to explain this concept to them because a lot of times they're not used to being questioned or they're right, so right. proud and prideful. So, you know, kind of getting people humble around here is an ongoing uh, focus that we have in order to freely exchange and receive um, valuable information and, and feedback. Cause there's a yeah. lot going on constantly. You know, we do over 14,000 moves a year wow. and on each move, say we're handling, you know, a thousand, boxes or pieces of furniture or little widgets right um, there's a lot of lot, lot of moving parts so we, we we so we have to be able to communicate without barriers and ego and i think you mentioned about 700 employees now is that right mm -hmm. in total yeah last wow. year that's awesome yeah that was our total number now you know you talked about a team approach and obviously you came out of the sporting world and you know i know your ads talk about you know athlete students or student athletes right and, right. and i think as i shared with you you know my daughter's a student athlete she's a rower at an east coast school and i yeah. just know how you know, hard those folks work. Do you kind of mm -hmm. recruit against that or is there a profile that you look for as it relates to the people you bring into the organization? Yeah. I mean, definitely athletically inclined, want to work hard, disciplined people. Those are all the sort of uh, characteristic traits that we're looking for. Our job description is to move heavy things up and down stairs and then to run when you're not carrying anything. Wow. All while maintaining, all while maintaining a happy, upbeat, enthusiastic attitude for the customer. Yeah. yeah. And, and safe as well, obviously, uh, too. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. we do a lot of things around safety. Right. Um, so, yeah. And then, you know, part of it is showing up on time and doing what you say mm. you're going to do. And, yeah. and if you get signed off uh, that you're trained to do something, actually know and understand it. Because if a, 
a piano or an a or an appliance, you know, falls off of mm. the dolly going downstairs, someone can get Boy. really hurt. Yeah, you know? that's dangerous. Yeah. yeah. So there's, you know, there's there's some uh th- there's there's a lot of self-responsibility, a sure. lot of this, you know, we're we're looking for people who are disciplined and hard right, workers for right, sure. That's important. And I think you'd mentioned when we spoke before that you and your brother are co-owners and you've talked a lot about, you know, getting ownership with your team. Do you do you provide ownership? Is do you, do you have like a an equity arrangement or uh is it more of a kind of a profit sharing type of a plan with the folks that work for you? Yeah, uh as of right now we do not uh mm-hmm. share in in ownership. Uh and what we do is we bonus based oh, upon the company's performance. Yeah, got it. So yeah. kind of a profit sharing in that regard, right? Where there's, if the company does well, everyone does well. Correct. Something like that. So, um, you know, when you first started uh, managing people, it was obviously pr- from the pretty pretty much the beginning, 17 years old or so. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, Aaron, if you don't mind me saying, you sound so much more like a coach, right? Uh, thank you. You. Kind of, you kind of feel like that more than a CEO? It depends on what hat that I'm wearing, you know, <laughs> or uh, you're dealing with, right? or, or, or what I'm or what I'm dealing with. Yeah, because yeah, when yeah. I, you know, when I'm talking to attorneys, or I'm talking to the city about a building permit, or I'm talking to uh, the bankers about our project or what we're trying to achieve, uh, definitely put on the CEO hat yeah, when. Yeah. Uh, when I'm talking to my employees, yeah, they want to talk to someone that they know, understand, and can identify with, and straight talk, authenticity, and just being real with them and uh goes a heck of a lot further sure. than um you know trying to trying be to pretentious. act the yeah. like the smartest guy in yeah, the room right right you don't need to be yeah awesome yeah so so you've been doing this for over 20 years it's been yeah. your passion right. um what are some of the you know kind of early management experiences or lessons maybe that you learned from those that you can look back on and say oh boy that was a big mistake you know and and we do it differently now or you know early on we really learned how to do you know Fill in the blank, you know, share with us some of the things that, you know, if you look back over the years, that has really evolved as it relates to, you know, how you've run the company. Mm. Yeah, I would say um, not over promising Mm. to your employees, you know, they're there. I I was so certain that within five years, we were going to have five offices and mm. uh, we're going to make everyone, you know, office man, uh, their own branch uh, manager. And if things kept going like how they were going, uh, you know, everyone would be rich and mm. everything would be fine. And we'd yeah. be having business meetings on yachts in the Caribbean. <laughs> <laughs> and and then uh, what happened is I started learning about business cycles and I started learning about uh unforeseen challenges that right, uh right. that came up and one of them being the workers comp crisis in the early 2000s oh boy yeah, yeah. really took Which the wind out of our sails yeah, i right. mean it 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 it's it's pretty miraculous we were able to even survive mm. uh that incredible difficult time our workers comp rates went up six times wow. and uh wow. i had That's to crazy. Yeah. Uh, we had 13 administrative employees and I had to lay off eight of them. Oh, tough. And, uh, and, and most of them were like my best friends. Yeah. Right. You'd you work know, with them for years. I, yeah, and right. I went from feeling, I, I went from feeling like, um, you know, uh, uh, someone who, you know, the future's so bright, got to wear <laughs> shades, you know, sort of thing. <laughs> to, Looking forward to that yacht trip. Right. right to, to many of my best friends oh. hating me. Oh my gosh. And, 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 and that was just brutal. So I, you know, I really learned to, uh, 
be under promise, over deliver, yeah. to be methodical yeah. in what I'm I'm sharing, and to also explain, not just try to paint a rosy picture, but to really, really explain what we're trying to achieve, how we're trying to achieve it, mm. what are some of the challenges that could get in our way, and ask for their help. And then when they don't expect it, reward. Mm. Um, nice. Yeah. And, and and I found that the more I you know, the 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 more I do that, the more credible um I'm perceived and 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 that's important. You want to, I think, be credible as opposed to always motivational. Yeah. You know, right. They have to respect you and that's got to be earned. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so let's zero in a little bit, maybe on leadership. What would you say your leadership style has evolved over the years? And if so, how? Yeah, I, I would like to think so. (laughs) Definitely. Um, (laughs) You know, there was, about six, seven years ago, um, we started losing employees to oh. jobs like being a waiter or being a bartender or being huh. a bouncer. And to be honest, it scared the living heck out yeah. of me because yeah. uh, prior to that, working at Meathead Movers was really, really cool and just this coveted position because not everyone could do that. You have to be stronger right. than most. Right. You have to be a good talker yep. Uh, yep. and discipline and, and, and work hard and, and work hard. And, and the yep. people that can do that and that can hang with other, you know, with the other people in the community that uh, have those characteristic traits, there was a pride associated mm. kind of like being the Navy SEALs. Like you're, sure. you're yeah. the best at what you do and, and it's hard to do and not everyone can do it. And right. what I realized was, that we became a little too regimented as an organization, mm. a little too well-structured, wow. uh, a little too strict of a company. Mm. And and I realized that- turning people off. Oh. Yeah, and our, yeah. and our employees needed to, we, we need to give them more value right. than what they were getting from us mm. at the time. So- uh, my brother and I went back to the drawing board and we charted out the life cycle of mm. the meathead, you know, before someone comes to the company, how are they hearing about us? All the different touch points during the interview process, during the onboarding, during the time they are working at meathead and then right. after meathead. And we started trying to look for ways and opportunities that we can have captured the knowledge that we have gained and documented over the years, but how do we create more value uh, to them? And it turns out what we discovered is many of the experiences that they gained working at Meathead Movers will help them with their future self. Mm. For example, you know, our employees within a couple months can become a manager. And within uh, six or seven months after that can say that they've managed 50 people. Wow. Yeah. And there's very, you know, and there aren't too many A couple years jobs. out of school. Yeah, right. Yeah, or, or in school. Or even know? school, right, right. And, and that's going to set a different trajectory. Yeah. Uh, they can talk about their leadership experience, you know. So do you hire a lot of part-time students or, or rather yep. part-timers that are full-time students? Yeah. Got yep. It. That makes sense. All the time. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, that's, sure. that's primarily uh, what we do. You know, so what's interesting is our employee profile. These are folks who are... Uh, on their way up in life who are, right. you know, going to successful, going to buy their own house, you, you know, and they're, and, and we have the moving furniture as a bridge gap. And then other, uh, other 
qualities and experiences that they get uh, working at Meathead that's mm. unique for someone their age is commercial driving experience, course, driving those yeah, big trucks. Right, you know, we're a shoo-in right. for the firefighters, EMT. Yeah. What six-figure job are you aware of that there isn't a lot of problem solving in high-stress situations? Right. You right. know, and when you're moving, problems happen and you sure. need to solve it. And the our hourly rate is, you know, pretty expensive. And you there there's a pressure of making the right decision and getting it done right away and and uh keeping up, you know, the meathead pace, we call it, on the move. And then you know, explaining and executing legal contracts, learning our award-winning customer service program, becoming mentally and physically stronger. Uh, all of these things are things that they can learn. Right. And so then it's like, okay, so now that we know that, how do we, how, how do we get them to connect the dots where, mm. hey, this isn't just a college job. This is going to help you with your future yeah. self. Yeah. So right. we take the time during the interview process and every six months to ask them, we have a chart, or, or sorry, a form that they fill out. It's and it says, in five to ten years, where do you see yourself? What what does success look like to you? Right. And and if they don't know, it's like, okay, well, do you want to be able to afford your own home or have a family? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You're Brought gonna probably need a little to, bit. Yeah. Exactly. Right. You're gonna need to do well then. How is this company gonna help you do that? And yeah. then we talk about all these experiences that they're gonna cool. gain. And then ongoing as we're coaching them with, oh, hey, I never want to work with that guy again if they have a hard day working. Well, yeah. you said that you want to open up your own business one day. Do you think you'll ever have right. challenging employees? Yeah. Well, <laughs> use this as practice. Here's how you learn about it. Yeah. Exactly. Awesome. And that's where the cool. coaching comes in. And then we go on where, you know, if someone is, if their jobs, if they if their goal is to be an architect one day, we will, uh, and they're applying to become an architect or get an internship, uh, we're one of the few companies that will actually call the internship or wherever their stated career goal path is and try to get them hired. You know, oh, it's called great. encourage turnover because we want to be the ultimate stepping stone job for the student athlete. Yeah, that's cool. terrific. Well, that's yeah. a good transition to the next area I want to talk a little bit about. And I know our time is running short here, so sure. we're going to keep it, uh, keep it moving forward. But um, wait a minute. You said something about an hourly rate. You mean you don't ask anymore what people want to pay? <laughs> not, with, <laughs> not with my overhead. <laughs> when did that change just out of curiosity? Was that in the early days? Still? Yeah, that yeah. changed around yeah. 2000, 2001. My brother and I got, got uh, shafted driving up to uh, Chico. We did a big two-day move. And um, what what she paid barely covered for our food. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, and yeah. then we said, you know, we I we think need we, to we restructure this a little bit. Oh, exactly. We you. have enough demand now. It was right? about time. Yeah, right. it was about time. So, so Aaron, tell us a little bit about your company culture. You know, what's unusual about it? What are your thoughts around it? Because it kind of sounded like what you were describing was a real cultural shift, right? You guys kind of went back and said, "Hey, why are we losing people? What's going on? We need to really yeah. enhance the value." And and you know, that's really cool because people should get. Get that. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, if they don't, well, then you weed them out anyway, right? Because if someone doesn't want to have that type of involvement and helping them towards the career. So, right. so you know, give us some thoughts or a little bit of a riff on, you know, describing the, the Meathead Movers culture and, and you know, what you, what you think about it or maybe what's unusual or unique about it. 
Yeah, well, you know, we spend about 50 grand a year on parties. So that's, you know, that's pretty cool. And we celebrate. That's nice. How know, many parties are those? <laughs> yeah, about, you know, probably about 20 within, nice. w- within a year. And All and, employee types of fets? Or yep, you, yeah, ex- cool. Exactly. Nice, and nice. most of them are safety parties where if yeah. we go four months without anyone getting uh, injured or hurt, we have a party and a celebration. celebration. And yeah, cool. there we, we also uh, raffle off really cool things that, uh, you know, fire up student athletes like flat screen TVs, barbecues, surfboards, UFC tickets, cool. uh, all cool. kinds of all kind of cruises. Um, and then, you know, I would also I would also say there is, and this is across the board on the admin side too. Everyone here works hard, and because we work hard, there's a mutual respect. Um, we don't have the most complicated business. Yeah. We really don't. Yeah. Uh, it's 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 relatively simple. Simple. The function of scheduling moving jobs and completing the moving jobs. Uh, it, it's it's not that technical. What, what makes it right. the technical aspects is doing the volume we do in a high quality way and finding efficiencies and whatnot. But the vast majority of our employees don't focus on those sort of things. Right. The what what is most important is your attitude and your work ethic and how much you care. Hmm. And if they have that and and they're 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 going to be successful yeah. here and 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 that's and that's really, you know, that's really what we're looking yeah. for. And we do the thing where, you know, we have food at the um, you know, in the office where they can just grab and go uh whatever, you know, they want and I think there's very little politics too. Uh, people can talk to me and I could talk to them and it's, there aren't a bunch of barriers. Awesome. Um, Open door policy. You're very accessible to your folks. Yeah. yeah I mean, or no door yeah. policy. I, I work right. out in the call center nice. because that's where, you know, that's where the majority of the action is. Sure. Uh, also I call every single employee every time we hire someone, mm, uh, they're getting a call you. every time someone gets a promotion. I give them a call. I I want it to. I I, I want my people to feel connected uh, uh, to me and to this to our company and to our story. Yeah. And and if they do, it it's a world of difference of uh, just productivity, and it's also going to feel good. I think not just for them, but for me. I want to feel connected with my people and, and, sure. and what I'm doing. This is I choose to be here, and so do they. Right. Uh, but right. we have the opportunity to donate our heart to mm. our day's work, and and that's the art of running a business. Yeah. Cool. A couple of final questions. And, and, you know, this is kind of a good lead into what do you look for, you know, when you're interviewing people, whether they're on the front line or in your executive staff, you know, the people that you're going to invest in, what, you know, what, what, what's, what are the characteristics or the qualities that, you know, you're seeking? Cause you know, what, 45 minutes, one hour interview, I'm sure you guys have got a very in-depth process, but, you know, I'm sure you personally interview the people that directly report to you and, you know, what, what makes a difference with those that you're looking to, uh, you know, make that that type of commitment with. I wish I had a more scientific answer, but it's really straight from the gut. Yeah, you know, I, yeah. I try to stay objective. I right. uh, try not to be in love with my own thoughts about a person. Mm. You know, whether it is good or bad, I try to listen more uh, and judge less. But I have a 
I have a strong sense of uh, uh, who will and will not work. Hmm. Um, and, and I tend to, I, I really, I really just tend to go with that. And, and I also try to size up uh, how the person will do with facing adversity mm. because mm-hmm, if mm-hmm. any uh, uh, over any period of time that employee is going to experience some hardship in sure. their in their family at work with me with their coworkers and someone can be as talented as possible but if they can't handle a little bit of adversity and they're going to crumble then they're not going to they're they're not going to prevail yeah. in the long term yeah. being resilient and and having a um a, a mental toughness and resilience to them is is good. So I like asking questions like, "What was your hardest day at work? Mm. What's the hardest thing you've ever had to overcome? Have you ever quit at anything? Okay, what's the wh- what have you almost quit at, mm. and why? Um, you know, why is this job important to you? Tell me about your daily routine. Yeah. You know, things like that to get to the crux of that." How deep do you go in terms of your interviewing? Do you interview at one level or two levels below? Do you ever interview any frontline staff yourself? Not for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah not for a so long time. So where do you get involved? Mostly with, with direct reports or people that are yeah. being promoted from within? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, we hired this rock star director of marketing and uh, a rock star uh, controller from Deloitte and Chouche and um, folks outside of the company that are uh, going to be running their own departments. I right. I will right. I will interview them. Sure. Um, you know we have an HR company. We have an IT company. Um, however, you outsource a lot of that, right? Exactly. Yeah, we talked about it the other day, yeah. right? Yeah, but as yeah. far as you know, the whole operations department and maintenance and uh, sales, that's all promote from within. So we use so when people move up. It's an organic, we know who they are, what they're all about. And, sure. it, you know, timing usually has a lot to do with it. Yeah. Aaron, you've been very generous with your time. We always like to ask this last question. And, you know, this is uh, to our audience. We've got a lot of folks that are, you know, maybe looking to start up their own business mm-hmm. or perhaps move into the corner office of their own someday. And, you know, what kind of career and life advice would you give someone who, you know, has their eyes on on being a founder or CEO someday and, you know, maybe wants to be an entrepreneur just like you? You know, maybe they're in their teens, their early 20s. What, what do you think, if you look back, are the most important points of your success? Yeah, thank you. Um yeah, that's a that's a that's a really good question. You know, I, what I'd say to those folks who want to do it is if you really want to do it, if you have that, you know, burning desire in your stomach uh to to live the entrepreneurial lifestyle, um you have to take action in one way or another because if you don't, I I believe you'll be haunted by it. Yeah. And yeah. It, and uh, it, it's it's really a beautiful thing to to bet on yourself and to bet on your decisions and to bet on the team that you have and to build a brand. There's really nothing like it, and it's also not a you know awesome game. Even if it doesn't work out, you're still going to gain so many experiences and be able to provide so much more value to the next thing you do. Right. Um, right. Failure is not eminent. It is uh it, it's part of success and it's how you respond and it's really how you respond to it that mm. um will define you and where your best 
stories will come from. You know, we almost lost meathead movers on three different occasions wow. due to insurmountable cash flow issues. One was the workers' comp thing I was yeah. telling you about. Yeah, right. One was the recession or, you know, line of credit, you know, almost being uh, cut. Uh, you know, one was this really scary lawsuit with this giant international company that we actually ended up winning. Oh. I can't go into, I can't go into the no, details. No, 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 right, right, right. But, um, you know, but it, it, <laughs> David and Goliath. Oh, it was totally. And I was like, David's little brother against these guys. <laughs> but, you know, you just, you just gotta, you just, you just gotta, you just gotta face, face those challenges one step at a time. And uh, those challenges end up being your best and most favorite, favorite and cherished stories. And um, at least they are, they are, you know, with, yeah. with, with me. So take the plunge. Uh, and what's, what's more, what's more of a risk betting on yourself or betting on someone's opinion of you? Right. Right. Absolutely. Well, Aaron Steed, CEO of Meathead Movers, thank you so much. It's been a wonderful story. Uh, really appreciate you spending the time with us and sharing your journey into the corner office. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Into the Corner Office with Brant Hanley. We hope you enjoyed hearing our guest CEO story as much as we did. If you want to hear more CEOs reveal their journey into the corner office, please subscribe via iTunes and tell your friends and colleagues. For more information about Brant, Resource Options International, and the mighty middle market, visit www.goforroi.com. We look forward to having you join us for our next episode. 